0: Welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best way to follow stats, storylines, news, players, everything that goes on in the world of professional volleyball. My name is Dan, and we are almost in international volleyball season. The Nations League starts in just a few days on Friday, May 31st. We're so close, guys. We had an awesome club volleyball season. But there's just something about international volleyball, different countries, federations competing against each other. It's really tough to replicate anywhere else, and I couldn't be more excited to watch. In this podcast, I'm going to do the first half of my Volleyball Nations League power rankings, as well as talk a little bit about the European Golden League and also some of the transfers that went on. Transfer season starting to slow down a bit. A lot of our major moves have already happened, but teams still looking to fill out their rosters. Still a lot of good players left to be picked up, so we, we had a few good ones to talk about. So first up, let's go over some of the transfers that went down over the last week. Some news in Lokomotiv Novosibirsk in Russia. Marko Ivovic, the Serbian outside hitter, had a pretty good season there. Scored 314 points, hit 48%. Nothing eye-popping, but... Definitely solid enough. He's a very good player. He's re-signed for another season, as well as Polish setter Fabian Drža. So their foreign players are locked in for the next season. I don't know if the season they had was necessarily up to their expectations. They finished 16-10 on the season, but I don't think it was Ivovich and Drizha's fault. I think overall, as a team, they played below their talent level. Maybe you can shore up some of the Russian positions, but... I think this is a good first step for them for improving themselves for next year. As well, they signed young, very young Russian setter, Konstantin Abev, who has been a big part of Russian's youth teams over the last few years. He spent a couple of years abroad, most recently playing in the French league last year, playing for Poitiers, but he's making his way back to Russia. Maybe not ready to start yet on a Russian team, but I'm guessing Novosibrisk is hoping that he can develop under their tutelage into a very strong starting setter, certainly has the potential to do that. Two pretty high-profile players making their way to Shanghai in the Chinese League. Chinese League usually gets pretty good foreigners, pretty good paycheck, easy competition, apparently you're treated quite well. You know, it's not as competitive as playing in the European leagues, but for a lot of players, it makes sense for them to at least play one or two seasons in China. And this season, Tine earnout and Julio Sabi both playing in Shanghai, two very high-level players still, in my opinion. Teenate Ernaut, though, unexpectedly ends his time in Modena pretty early. Had a fantastic season two seasons ago, playing alongside Irvin Enkapet, but couldn't really continue that success this season. found himself lost a little bit as the main offensive outside hitter. I'm sure he got a good offer in China, so I don't blame him for going there. And I wouldn't be surprised if he makes his return to Italy for the playoffs. Because as you know, China, the season ends, I believe, around March. So oftentimes players will finish their season there and then find a new club for the playoffs. Clemens Seboule, Kevin Tilley, Julio Sabi, all players who did that this year. Speaking of Julio Sabi, he will also be playing in Shanghai. No stranger to the team. This will be the third time he's playing there. Again, they won the championship last year, so it's not a surprise that they're bringing him back. After the season in China ended last year, he joined Piacenza to help them win Series A2 in one of the most stacked Series A2 teams I've ever seen. Also had Alessandro Fei and Matteo Paris. So no Julio Sabi then. I thought he would, would, would have been good in the Series A1 for Piacenza next year, but I guess... Either they're going to go with Alessandro Fey as their opposite or find a new player because Alessandro Fey will be turning 41, I believe, next year. So we'll see what they decide to do. David Sassenheimer, one of the outsides for second place in the Bundesliga, Friedrich Friedrichshafen. One of Germany's many young prospects that look to have a bright future. But he is moving on from top German club Friedrich Friedrichshafen and is moving to Bedzin. In Poland, who got lucky this season, they should have been eliminated. But due to Sechicin unfolding, they were not relegated, even though they did have the worst record in the league. Sassenheimer will go in, hopefully do a better job as a foreign outside hitter than Jake Langlois, who did not have the best season there last year. Sassenheimer, a very different player from Langlois. Much more of a pass-first defensive outside hitter, a little shorter, but still a good server. Still a decent enough hitter. I'm surprised because the Germans generally don't play in the Plusliga too often. Usually, obviously, you'll see them in the Bundesliga. And then they'll go directly to the Italian Superliga. But, you know, it's nice to see David Sassenheimer in Poland. Hope he does well. Another player moving on from Germany is Kyle Russell, who was a huge part of Berlin Recycling Volley's championship run this season. A lot of times this season, he actually played above fellow American opposite Ben Patch I think not a lot of people expected that going into the season Ben Patch spends a lot of time with Team USA volleyball so I think a lot of people just assume that he's a much better player than Kyle Russell but Russell proved a lot of people wrong played really well in my experience from the games I watched really physical player definitely has learned a lot in the Bundesliga too a lot smarter than he was in college and he will play in, in the French League in cons next season so I wouldn't be surprised if he is one of the leading scorers in France, cause he, he's a really strong player. Also, little preview, but seems like we're gonna see Kyle Russell in Nations League as he was named in the traveling roster for Team USA in the first week. So career turnaround for Kyle Russell. He kinda was maligned a bit in his first couple of pro seasons, but really looks to be getting the recognition from all the hard work he has put in. Tabate has signed two new players in the great brazilian shuffle of players that seems to happen every offseason mauricio souza mo souza is joining them from ceci rio de janeiro one of the best brazilian middle blockers in my opinion probably just below sack camp and isaac santos although a lot of people would think mo souza above santos but definitely top three or four brazilian middle blocker so good pickup for tabate the reigning champions of the brazilian league the signing that I like a little bit less, though, is signing Lipe, who I guess will start the transition into mentorship role in the latter part of his career. Not that I would necessarily personally want Lipe mentoring anyone on that team, but he will be joining Douglas Souza and Ricardo Lucarelli as outside hitters. They had an issue last year. I guess you could call it an issue of too much talent at the outside position with Conte, Lucarelli, and the recently. Improved Douglas Souza all at the outside position, so they had some trouble juggling minutes, knowing who was going to start each game to game. Conte left the team for Santa Cruzero, so they no longer had that issue with Lucarelli and Douglas Souza's two elite top flight starting outside hitters. So I'm not sure why they would complicate it bringing in another. I mean, I'm not personally a huge fan of Lipe, but he is on the Brazilian national team, was part of their. World Championship silver medal. He's definitely a player with quite a high reputation. So I hope they discussed any rotational issues ahead of time. I definitely think at this point in their career, Douglas Souza is the better player than Lipe. So if Tabate wants to repeat his champions, I, I think Douglas Souza is definitely going to be the go-to guy. And we also don't know for sure about Douglas Souza's injury. Maybe he will still miss the first part of the season, in which case maybe Tabate wanted some injury insurance so that they didn't lose too much ground among the big four in Brazil. And the last bigger signing I'm talking about today is Canadian backup setter Jay Blanquineau is moving from Mosaic, who he led to two consecutive championships in the Belgian Volleyball Liga A. And he will be moving to Arcus Izmir in Turkey, where he will be playing under Canadian national team coach Glenn Hoag. Really like this move for Izmir. While Jay isn't like a super elite setter in the world, he is quite talented, very athletic, smart guy. Because of TJ Sanders' injury last summer, he was the starting setter for Team Canada in the World Championships, where he helped them finish in ninth place. Was really awesome for Mosaic. Like, that team would not have done nearly as well as they did without the leadership and play of Jay Blanquino. I think he's going to be an improvement on Marillo Radke who was the setter before and I believe is moving on to Sora in Italy. So we'll see if this move can help Izmir finally win a championship in Turkey after three consecutive second-place finishes. That has got to sting. All right, now it's time for the meat of the podcast, which is my Volleyball Nations League power rankings. We're almost at the start of international volleyball season. As I mentioned earlier, Only a few more days. The tournament kicks off on Friday, May 31st, and we have five weekends of action-packed volleyball to look forward to. Unfortunately, there are a couple issues with Nations League this year. It does sound like a lot of teams are going to be maybe not sending their B teams, but definitely conserving the energy of their top players, utilizing a lot of young players, showing us many different combinations of guys. Which is fine. I think Nations League shouldn't be this super serious tournament where all the main players are playing every single weekend and traveling all over the world. I think if this tournament is going to continue in the future, because there has been a lot of criticism over the last year on how tough it is on the players. So I think if it is to continue, I think this strategy of bringing a combination of different players to different events and giving young guys a chance and giving maybe be team players a chance. I think that's what we're going to be seeing going forward if this tournament is going to be sustainable. Especially this summer with the absolutely crazy schedule going on with Nations League and then the Olympic qualifying tournaments happening at the beginning of August. And then we have Eurovolley happening for all of the European teams. And then we also have the World Cup happening in Japan directly after that. So for certain teams in this tournament... Their summer schedule is just completely, insanely, utterly ridiculous. But I'm not going to share too many more criticisms of the tournament. That could probably be a podcast unto itself. And, you know, while the tournament's going on, we can be positive for at least a little bit. It does suck for the players, but as a fan, I actually really enjoy watching the World slash Nations League. It's exciting to see all these teams and a bunch of players you might not see before and all these Countries that sometimes don't often match up against each other, play each other. Alright, so let's start our power rankings. Today I'm going to be going over teams number 16 to number 9. And for these power rankings, it's not going to be who has the best team under the best conditions, who has the best starters, who has the best starting 7 players. It's going to be who do I think will succeed given the limitations of the tournament, limitations of, of their summer schedule things like that so teams that i think are going to rest players in preparation for a lot of the olympic qualifiers and EuroVolley, i'm giving them a bit of a downgrade just because based on what i've seen and especially some of the first week rosters and some of the talk and noise i've heard a lot of teams are going to be resting some of their key players in preparation for those more important tournaments also i think this is a tournament that rewards countries and teams with a lot of depth so I consider that when I make my power rankings and of course I don't necessarily know who exactly is going to play week to week so this is just a prediction based on what I think certain coaches how they're going to approach it and just the overall talent level of the different teams that are playing. So first up the team that I believe will be the worst country in Nations League this year is China and I don't even really hate China's roster that much they've definitely got some talented players. Zhang Xuan is like legit a top 15 opposite in the entire world. But like every tournament they play in, they're probably going to rely on him pretty much exclusively for their offense. Zhidao Shui and Li Bin Liu are decent enough pairing on the outsides, but they really struggle once we start to get to even a moderately athletic block. The serving isn't there for this team, probably their biggest weakness. The blocking is generally not there, although they do have the occasional strong game and also the return of Zhang Zheja could be a big boost to them as he is almost definitely their best middle blocker. Definitely not out of the question that they finish higher than last place and they aren't of danger of being removed from the Nations League as a designated core team but their roster isn't that deep past the top five or six guys and unless they run their best possible roster out every single week I think they face a pretty good chance of finishing at the bottom of the standings. Which is a shame because their women's team is just unbelievably exciting to watch this summer. At number 15, I have the newcomers Portugal, who were the first team to qualify through the brand new Volleyball Challengers Cup. Coming 4th place in the European Golden League to qualify for the cup where they beat Cuba in the semifinals and then in a pretty surprising victory, beat Czech Republic in the finals, who I think a lot of people thought were the better team in that cup, but Portugal was clutch, got the win, and they are participating in Nations League, although I do have them as my last place challenger team. So going by the extremely unfair rules of the Nations League, they would be relegated right after joining if they came in 15th place. Even though China, under these predictions, would finish with a worse record than them. But they uh, definitely have a chance to finish better than 15th. They've got some real, legit talent on this team. The main ones being the two brothers, Marco and Alexander Ferreira. Alexander Ferreira was one of the biggest reasons why the Polish club, Zverichi did as well as they did this season coming in fourth place. If you've been a fan of the podcast for a while, I talked about Zwerci a lot. Because it was just such a great underdog story. A lot of players who have been overlooked in the past. One of my favorite coaches in Mark Lebedou. But anyway, Ferreira was a big part of that. Arguably their second best player after setter, Michael Masny. And probably the best player on this Portuguese team as well. But his brother Marco, also a strong player. And then I have to give some credit to their setter, Miguel Taveras as well. He was voted best setter. In the French Liga A. Got great hands. Really smart setting distribution. Probably a lot of those sets will go to the two Ferreira brothers. They'll definitely be the main sources of offense on this team. The middles could be a bit more limited. Although I do like Miguel Taveras and his ability to find his middles. But I don't know if the blocking and the passing is really up to par with some of the other teams ahead of them. But this is a team that I could see sending a lot of their best players every week, considering it is their first time in Nations League. They have a lot of pressure on them not to come in last out of all the challenger teams. They don't play in the Olympic qualification tournament, so their next thing after this is Eurovolley. So potentially this team could surprise a lot of people, but they were already surprised to qualify for this tournament in the first place. Above teams like Slovenia, who would have qualified for sure, but they did not send their A or even B team, arguably, to EuroLeague last year. Belgium didn't really send their best players. The Netherlands didn't send their best players. And then, and after all that, it still took an upset win over the Czech Republic. And also it took, luckily, not matching up with Estonia in the semifinals to make it to this point. At number 14, we have a fellow Commonwealth country on the other side of the world. That is Australia. The Volleyroos are kind of a tough team to rank, because let's be honest, not a lot of the guys on their roster you get to see much during club season. Two of the projected starters for the team, setter Harrison Peacock in middle Nahimia Mote, didn't even play on a professional team last season. Played in Australia's kind of national training center, the center for excellence, and a whole bunch of other guys on the roster played in leagues that I don't think I've ever watched before, like in Estonia and the Czech Republic. They also have the issue that three of their best players all play opposite. Thomas Edgar is back on the roster after a couple years removed from the Australian national team. Seven foot tall opposite, really fun to watch. Been absolutely dominating Japan in his club play the last couple seasons. I hope we get to see him during Nations League. Definitely not a guarantee because he has been off the Australian team for a little while now but I would be super pumped to see him return, but that would also mean we get to see less of Paul Carroll, who had a really good season in Russia, and also Lincoln Williams, who despite being the third opposite on Australia's roster, still an incredible player, devastating serve, really physical attacker, despite the lack of success for his club team, MKS Bedzin in Poland, he was one of the best scorers in the league, and a really talented player. But unfortunately, they can only play one of those guys at a time, and the situation on the outside hitter position is not quite as rosy. We'll likely see a combination of Sam Walker, Jordan Richards, and Luke Smith. And despite them all being really fantastic athletes, really physical guys, jump high, hit hard, don't really have the ball skills that a lot of the other outsides in this tournament will have, same goes in the middle. Really good athletes, really good height on this team. Most players above 200 centimeters or 6'7", but again, not really the technical ability that the development of some other countries creates. They do have a couple of secret weapons up their sleeves, though. 23-year-old libero Luke Perry is ready to have another monstrous season once again. Even with the foreigner crunch in Polish team Resovia that he played for this season, he was always one of the guys out on the floor. Incredible passer. I guarantee you'll have him on my Instagram highlights at least once, probably twice or more. And if anyone can make up for the lack of touch and ball skills from the wing players, it's someone like Luke Perry. Also, they have one of my favorite coaches in volleyball, Mark Lebedew. He runs a great blog, at homeonthecourt.com. Check that out if you want to read some really fantastic English language volleyball stuff. Really good technical coach, really good motivator has a ton of great coaching philosophies, and that helped him lead Xavierchi to their 4th place finish in the Plus Liga against pretty much all the odds this season. Team number 13 might come as a surprise to a lot of you. If you haven't been following things closely, you might expect this team to be a lot higher, and that team is Italy. Now, Italy finished in 5th place at the World Championships. That happened about 8 months ago. So you may be wondering to yourself, Why I have them at 13. And that is because they are the first team in here. That I'm going to refer to as my gauntlet teams. These are teams that have to do the Nations League. The Olympic qualifiers in August. Eurovolley in September. And then also for Italy. They have to participate in the World Cup as well. Absolutely insane schedule for them. And as a result. Some key players not participating in Nations League. Those include Osmani, Wantarena, Ivan Zaitsev. Filippo Lanza, and I guess Luca Vittori counts. I'm not sure he would participate anyway, but especially Wontorin and Zaitsev, absolutely essential players for Italy, generate the majority of the offense for the Azzurri when they are playing. Two of the best players at their position in the world. Not having them is a huge disadvantage, to say the least. We don't even have Filippo Lanza, although a lot of Italian fans might suggest that that is a good thing. However, they do have Oleg Antonov. Great, solid player. Don't really see him as the number one offensive option on a team though. Which we, he would be for Italy in the Nations League. And their second outside position is a gigantic question mark. There are a whole bunch of young guys that Italy has had in their youth program over the last few years. That are on the final roster for the Nations League. Including Daniel Lavia, Guiacomo Raffaele, Oresto Cavuto. Davide Gardini, Julio Pinali, Andre Argenta, Marco Periotti. There's a lot of these guys, and unfortunately, not many of them has had very significant minutes in the Italian league so far. Not necessarily something you want to see, especially with Italy's foreign player restrictions. The fact that only Raffaele and Argenta really saw the court in Italy, even though they're all Italian citizens, obviously, it's a bit concerning. I actually do like Argenta, though. He had kind of a breakout season in Modena in 2018 when Julio Sabio was injured, got a contract with Ravenna, but then went up against Camille Richlicky at opposite, which is really tough to compete with. So he hasn't really gotten a fair chance to show what he can do in the last 18 months or so. Unfortunately, he will be playing behind Gabriele Nelly, who is a bit more proven, played a lot for Padova two years ago and then Backed up Luca Vittori in Trentino. Got a lot of court time this year as well. As for the second outside spot, really anyone's guess who will be playing there. Even Italian super fans have no idea. Out of all the players I've seen play, I think I like Julio Pinali the most. But he is more of a true opposite, not the best passer. And I think that'll be his natural position, so I don't know how likely that is. Oresto Cavuto did play some playoff minutes for Trentino this year. Looked pretty decent. Giacomo Raffaele was a starter in Ravenna this year, so he was the only player here to really play a full season as a starter, but he also had one of the worst seasons as an outside hitter in the entire league, barely hit above 40% in kill percentage this season. Not the best look, he is a younger guy, but by the time you're 23-24, it's not like you're a super fresh young guy yet, you should be able to play at a high level. Italy will be fine at every other position, Simone Gianelli might not play every week, but Riccardo Spertoli and Luca Spirito, I'm sure, will do a fine job as his backups. Liberos are fine. Bellasso, Niccolò Pesaresi, two very talented guys. The middles actually have a lot of the uh, regular Italian national team guys playing this year, including Simone Anzani, Daniele Mazzoni, Davide Condolaro, and youngsters Alberto Polo, Roberto Russo, and Fabio Ricci. I think Italy's best possible roster could actually be a final six team potentially, but unless Oleg Antonov plays every single round, they're going to be outmatched on the outsides in almost every game they play in, which is a really tough position to win from. And it doesn't really seem like Italy is going to be putting that much stock into the Nations League, considering they are protected, they won't be threatened with relegation like they were in the 2017 World League, where they finished in last place, and Lucky for them, the format changed right after that to Nations League, where they are a protected core team, so no threat of relegation this year, thanks FIVB. But they will certainly be a dangerous team once again when Zaitsev and Wantarina come back for the Olympic qualifiers. Number 12, I have a team that also has a very busy summer, and that is Bulgaria. Again, participating in Nations League, the Olympic qualifiers, and Eurovolley. And for those of you who were like, oh, Eurovolley is just a continental championship. Why, are, why is it such a big event? Well, think about all of the amazing teams in Europe, not even just in Nations League, but like Belgium, Slovenia, Finland, Belarus, Ukraine, Czech Republic. There's a lot of good European teams that don't even get to participate in the Nations League, where Eurovolley is like their main competition that they get to compete in only happens every two years. The qualification process, very intense, took place pretty much all year. I know because I had to cover most of the games for the CV, and these guys are just very passionate about it. By far the toughest continental tournament, and the championship trophy is probably the most important one after the World Championship and Olympics. But Bulgaria's interesting team, new coach coming in this year, Brondi Silvano. It's an interesting roster, kind of a mix between older guys and younger guys. Their top talent is still very elite. Guys like Sveden Sokolov, Viktor Yosefov, Nikolay Nikolov, Valentin Bratoev, Theodore Salparov. I'm not sure how many of those guys will show up week to week. Sveden Sokolov, obviously, their best player. will miss at least the first couple weeks because he just finished his Champions League run with Lube Chivitanova. And because... Bulgaria relies on him so much for their Oda system offense, and they don't really have anyone to replace him, at least right now. I think this team lives and dies by Sokolov, and given his injury history, the tough schedule that Bulgaria has the rest of the summer, I'd be pretty surprised if he plays more than one, maybe two rounds. I guess maybe if Bulgaria is looking like they could be relegated because they are a challenger team, he may be motivated to come back and play a bit more, but I think Bulgaria has bigger fish to fry this summer. However, they do have some other good pieces. Even though they're missing their starting middles, they probably have some of the best backup middles out of any national team. Gotsev, Krasimir Georgiev, and Alex Grozdinov are all more than capable guys who can fill the gap while Yosefov and Nikolov are resting. Yorgi Seganov, I think, is just about ready to take the reins from Bratoev. The Penchev brothers, Nico and Rosalyn, both had fantastic club seasons in Poland and Argentina, respectively. I'm also really looking forward to the younger guy, Martina Tanisov. Played for Shomon this season. I think I've talked about him on the podcast before. Hyper-athletic guy. He's big, too. He's about 6'7", but must have like a 40-inch vertical. One of the coolest athletes to watch in volleyball really gets way way high above the net a little raw still in terms of his technical ability still needs to work on his serve a lot but i think has is a really high potential guy i believe we'll be missing the first week but we'll be probably part of the traveling roster for most weeks after that so bulgaria is a fun team but unless they really go for it and bring their top guys for most of the tournament i don't see them finishing anywhere close to the final six Number 11, I have Argentina, who, in a similar fashion to Bulgaria, has a very strong top lineup. However, it tends to drop off pretty quickly after that. There are two starting outside hitters, Facundo Conte and Christian Poglian, both guys that I'm quite a fan of, especially Conte, one of the best outside hitters in volleyball for a few years now. Poglijan had a really solid season in Ravenna. However, after that, all the players that they have to pick from do have a lot of flaws, they will be helped out by Nicolas Uriarte coming back, who didn't really play last summer. So that's why I do have them above Bulgaria and Australia. And Decheco is rumored to maybe play a couple of the last weeks of Nations League. So that would be a big help. But I don't think setting has necessarily been Argentina's problem in their poor finishes over the last few tournaments. Their lack of offensive output has probably been their biggest weakness especially the opposite position, Bruno Lima will be part of the roster this year, and he actually had a great season in Germany where he was among the league best scorers and also got a lot of individual game MVP awards. But he's still pretty young, still a little overly reliant on his athleticism, but hopefully he gets a lot of playing time in this tournament and improves to the level where he can be a full-time starter and go-to guy for Argentina over the next few years but maybe not too soon because Canada's competing with them in the Olympic qualification tournament. Again, Argentina's a tough team to read. They do have Augustin Loser, whom I'm excited to watch again. He kind of had his breakout tournament in last year's VNL. Sebastian Soleil was arguably the best middle blocker in the Italian league last season for Verona. So like Bulgaria, if they do send really good rosters every week, they definitely have a good chance to finish a lot higher than this prediction but I'm guessing it doesn't quite work out that way in Argentina another team they don't care about Nations League they have bigger goals to aspire to don't have Euro volley to contend with like Bulgaria but still the Olympic qualification tournament is a big thing on their schedule and they also have the World Cup at number 10 I have Germany who is a team I like they're definitely one of the teams I'm looking forward to watching the most They've had an awesome youth development program over the last few years, spearheaded by Vital Hainan, and then followed up by Andrea Gianni, who is their current coach. Lots of young guys to be excited about. Moritz Richard started for Berlin this year, supplanting Adam White, who is a much older and experienced outside hitter. Moritz Karletsek really stood out on Frankfurt this season. Definitely their best player along with Lucas Van Berkel. Tobias Crick was a breakout player in last year's Nations League. And I think Anton Brem could do a similar thing this year. Linus Weber has been handpicked by Andrea Gianni to join him in Milano next season. Julian Zenger is looking like a great libero for the future. And that's not even everyone. While well, it might seem like a bit early to move on from a team that came in second place in the 2017 European Championships with Jörg Grozier, Lucas Kampa, Dennis Caliberta, Marcus Boehm, those guys were all definitely getting up there in age. And maybe had a few more years of high-level competition playing together, we know Grozier does not want to play with the national team too much anymore given his older age. And without him, I don't know if that team has what it takes to compete at a high level. So I think it's a wise decision to kind of move aside, give the younger guys a chance. I think we'll still see a lot of Campa this summer. At least I hope we do, because he's still a fantastic player. Had an incredible season in Estrebsi Maybe we'll see some Boehm. Maybe we'll see a bit of Caliberta. But I'm definitely most excited for those young guys, which may result in them placing lower than I have them predicted at number 10 but Germany definitely a team that is on the upswing in the volleyball world. Now the last team that I'm going to be previewing today because I'm going to do the next eight on another podcast a little bit closer to Nations League but team number nine is Japan. Maybe a little high on Japan. Maybe I'm just overestimating them because they are just such a fantastically entertaining team to watch. They give up a lot of height to pretty much all their opponents, but run a very precise lightning-fast offense, and despite their smaller size, they jump really well and hit the heck out of the ball. I know a lot of people are looking forward to seeing Yuji Nishida again next year, definitely the breakout star of Volleyball Nations League 2018, competing at only 18 years old last year, was one of the leading scorers of the entire league, and also... As a 6-1 opposite hitter. So a combination of traits that is pretty much unheard of in volleyball. He followed that up with a great club season too. For the uh, JTEC Stings in the Japanese V-League. As being the youngest player to come out of high school and play in the league. He was the third leading scorer in the entire league. Above a lot of pretty prominent names. Like Mikhail Kubiak, Antoine Rousier, Nikola Georgiev. And Jason Duraco. He's not the only Japanese opposite I'm excited for because the legend Shimizu is back in Japanese volleyball. I think the last time we saw him was in the 2015 Olympic qualification tournament, but he is on the roster for this Nations League. Not sure if he'll play, but I really hope he does. Really fun physical player to watch. Kind of laid the foundation for a player like Nishida. So hopefully he gets in at least a bit during the tournament. Also, of course, the outside pairing of Yuki Ishikawa and Masahiro Yanagida. Actually a super talented duo in pretty much all aspects of volleyball. Really good servers, really good attackers, especially Ishikawa always manages to have an extremely high attack efficiency, even when he's playing for teams like Siena and Latina in the Italian League. Yanagida was playing in Poland this year. Had a good season there. Lubin, not the best team, but certainly I don't think that was Masahiro Yanagida's fault. Another player I'm excited for, a fellow Japanese player that played in Poland last season, Taichiro Koga, who was one of the best liberos in the league. Incredible hustle on that guy. Probably one of the shortest volleyball players that still plays. I think he's about 5'5", but he makes up for it with really quick speed. He's an excellent setter. Probably actually would be a setter if he was a little bit taller. And he was one of the main reasons, like Alex Ferreira on Portugal and Mark Lebedou, the coach of Australia, for Sevierchi's really good finish, fourth place in the Palouse Liga this year. I think you guys know how special it is, considering I think it's the third time this podcast that I've mentioned that team. But maybe I'm overhyping Japan. They definitely have their issues with size. Sometimes they get stuck in rotations if they aren't able to run their first tempo offense. So there's definitely potential Japan could finish closer to 16th place than 8th place, but I really like what this team has going for it. I think given the age of most of their players, I think they're improving rather than declining. Really looking forward to watching them in this year's Nations League. So that was part one of my power rankings. Glad I split it into two parts because it gave me a bit more time to talk in more detail about each team. The Nations League might throw a few people off this year because... It's unlikely you'll see the Stars playing every week, week to week. But I think this is better for the tournament in the long run if it is to continue being a tournament. I think it's a great chance for people to see, younger players, still developing players, you know, players that not necessarily always playing on the most elite clubs. Give them a chance to shine, play in front of a lot of fans in a bunch of different countries. I think that's the best case scenario for the tournament. Really looking forward to it. Hope you guys like the podcast and have a good week.